0: Well, hi everyone. So glad you're with us. Uh, thank you worship team and all that uh, has been provided for us to be able to worship our God together. We continue our worship now as we open our hearts and our minds and uh, our wills to receive what God would say to us through his word. You know, I often love to do something when we're doing a book study and I want to uh, I'll just do it again before we begin. And I would often say, and I would say to all of us, that in my hands I hold the written Word of God. It is alive and active, and as I read it and study it and apply it, uh, my mind will be renewed, my heart will be transformed, and my life will be changed. I pray that this would be true for each one of us as you take the Word of God, and whether in book form or tablet form or on your phone, and that you would open yourselves to what God would say to you through His Word, or trusting the Holy Spirit to do so. And I believe that He wants to speak to you. Wherever you are on the spiritual continuum or on your spiritual journey, we believe that this not next series, as we're looking at the life of Christ through the Gospel of John, is going to bless you, lead you, teach you, strengthen you, would open your heart to Jesus and to greater faith in Him, and uh, this is what we're praying and trusting for. So we are going on a lengthy journey as a church, studying the book of John, the Gospel of John. Now, each of the different gospel accounts, that is the Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the the accounts of the life of Jesus, uh, they all present Jesus with a a distinct emphasis. And while each gospel contains all of these in some degree, each of them sort of holds one up a little higher than the other. And Matthew, for example, talks about his kingship, and he is the king as he comes uh, in to bring the kingdom of God. Mark talks about his servanthood and how he gave of himself and serves. Luke talks about his humanity and emphasizes the human nature of Jesus. And John upholds his deity, the deity of Jesus. At one level, this gospel uh, written by the apostle John uh, is maybe the simplest of all the gospels. Yet at the same time, it may be the most profound. You see, the other three Gospels kind of shared information, and they have many of the very similar stories. But God the Spirit wanted what was communicated about Jesus. He wanted some different things communicated, and he chose John to do so. There are stories and teachings in the Gospel of John that are not found at all in the other Gospels. We also see that while some of the other Gospels tell of certain stories or miracles or teachings, Jesus in John seems to help us understand them. And it is a powerful, powerful book. Uh, Theologian N.T. Wright said this, This book is like a pool that is safe for a child to paddle in, but deep enough for an elephant to swim in. Uh, This is true. Whether you are beginning your spiritual journey, you'll be able to understand and enter into, at your level, what the Scripture teaches. Even children can understand much of this. Yet, there are truths when, when thought through and, and extrapolated in these teachings and in the life of Jesus through John that are very, very deep and profound. Arkant Hughes, he was the pastor at Wheaton Church and uh, uh, not just a pastor, but wrote commentaries. He said this about the gospel. He says, Each time we return to this gospel, the gospel of John, The serious student of Christ will find him bigger. Now, he's he's making a reference and he's alluding to, uh, if you've read the Chronicles of Narnia, C.S. Lewis's books, the Chronicles of Narnia, again, these are books you can read to your children. We read them to our children. Yet, beyond the initial surface story, there is deep, deep truth and what, what uh, Kent Hughes is talking about is uh, referring to the, one of the books called Prince Caspian. And here we see Lucy, she comes and she sees Aslan again. And she comes uh, running in up to him and he welcomes her. He says, welcome, child. Aslan is the Christ figure, this massive lion. And, uh, and she says, Aslan, you're bigger. And he says, That's because you're older, little one. And she says, not because you are? And he said, I am not. But every year you grow, you find me bigger. And this is so true. When I think of the gospel of John Every time I come back to it, and I've read and journaled through this book many times in my my journey. It's frankly one of my top uh, three books in the Bible. I love this book. And every time I go back to it and wade through it, it just seems as though Jesus gets bigger, more magnificent to me. Now, I also have a very personal uh, spot in my heart for this, this gospel. When I was younger, in my mid-teens, uh, I was in a, uh, a, a program called Bible quizzing. I don't know if any of you have ever uh, been in that or know what it's about, but it's actually it's a North American-wide uh, uh, um, competition where participants in certain churches that sign up, they would actually work at memorizing a book, and then they'd go to tournaments and there's actually seats like you might see on some TV shows where you're actually seating down there. And when you, the, the quiz master asks a question, the first one goes up there, their seat lights up and you go to the microphone and you answer the question. And and so basically when I was in Bible quizzing in that year, we, we memorized the book of John. And uh, the Canadian Midwest district has a history of long, strong uh, uh, teams and... I happened to be on track to go to the international quizzing finals. I was on a team, making the team. I was in the top uh, four in the whole district. Uh, And so they take the top quizzers, make a team, go to international finals. And literally, like they'll go to St. Paul's, Minnesota. You go down to Tacoa Falls. You go to Simpson uh, uh, College out in San Francisco. Like this is a big deal. So, but the story of Bible quizzing in the year of John took on a whole new level for me and why it means so much. For on the way to one of our cris tournaments, um, I was supposed to be in a car, but my coach and I had a conversation, and I had a hockey tournament as well, and she said, you're doing well enough, you're going to make the international team, I believe, why don't you skip this tournament? And I said, well... How about this? I'll play the tournament. It was a long weekend, so it started sort of a spring break kind of a thing. And so I, I started playing in the tournament. And when they had to go to the quiz tournament, which was leaving on the Friday, uh, I, I was playing hockey that morning. And I said, if we win, we keep going. I'll stay and play hockey. If I lose, I'll go with you and we'll do the quiz tournament. And I won't go into this. It's a long story. But literally, miraculously, uh, our team won. And so I called our coach, Jan, and I said, uh, Jan, we won. And she said, okay, no problems. Uh, y- you know, I was supposed to be in a car with her and uh, some of my friends and a dear friend now, a pastor named Matt Boda. Well, I went and I played hockey again that night. But that car with three others en route to a quiz tournament, uh, in Brandon, Manitoba, on their way out just past Mooseman, that car I was supposed to be in hit a patch of black ice and spun into the oncoming uh, path of a semi-truck trailer, and that semi hit the car. And my coach, Jen, my friend Dallas, Dallas Lutzer, and Carrie, Kerry Dick, were killed in that accident. I remember after my hockey game, I went and gathered with some of my friends uh, from the church, and and we got a phone call, and we were told of what happened. And I was just crushed. And I remember going home and just punching the walls in my, uh, my bedroom downstairs. God used this, however, to really change my life. That quizzing accident and the memorization of the Gospel of John did something in my heart where I completely, I gave my life over to Jesus. So much so that uh, I didn't care who knew I was a Christian. I was leading people to Christ, me and my best friend at the Canadian National Wrestling Finals. In fact, packed the university in the final rounds. We'd get down in each other's corner and we would pray on our knees in front of everybody, praying that God would bless them and we'd be a good witness and do well. It didn't help me. Anyway, I finished fourth, but Eddie won the gold. But it changed my life. And so this, this, whole, this whole gospel means an awful lot to me. I've never preached on it because I felt like um, I, w- I didn't want to impose my love for this one onto the church, but I really sensed the time was right and God wanted us to go here. Now, let's get on with this. Uh, why was John written? What was the purpose of this book? It's a very important question. And one of the few books in the Bible that actually explicitly states why it is written. Now, he gives it near the end of the book in John chapter 20 in verse 30 and 31, where John writes these words. Now, Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book, but these are written and here, so that, here's the why, so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life In his name. These have been written so that we might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and by believing have life in his name. So, the two key sort of reasons why the Holy Spirit inspired John to write this gospel was that we may believe that Jesus is the Christ. This is, we would believe that he is who he said he was. And as a result of believing that we would actually have life in his name, his spiritual life deep within us. Now, there are some very, very key words that we're going to find in this whole gospel. Uh, I just want to highlight two of them. The first one is the word believe. You know what? John doesn't use the word faith in this gospel hardly at all. The others do, the other gospel writers. He uses the verb believe, and he uses this verb Between 90 and 100 times, believe. Not to just know about, not to just admire, not to just merely be intrigued by Jesus, but that we might believe, put our trust in, follow Jesus. To believe that he is the Christ. Now remember, Christ is not his last name. His name is Jesus. The Christ is referring to the promised Uh, Messiah of the Older Testament, the Anointed One, who was going to come and He would redeem God's people in the Older Testament. We read read about this, that that Jesus is referring to the Promised One, the Messiah, the Anointed One. So believe is a major theme and we're going to be seeing this over and over and over. The other word is life life. Now, I, I, I want to share an insight into this word because it, it's gonna, I need to unpack this because was going to resurface. It'll resurface uh, next week. We're going to see it in John chapter 1, John chapter 3, chapter 6, chapter 10, chapter 11, chapter 14, and on. So, I want us to bring this real uh, insight into this word that he's using in the original language that the gospel was written in, which is Koine Greek, there are basically three words in Greek that we interpret or translate, I mean, into our English Bible as life. There are three of them. The first one is bios, and this is uh, talking about physical life or the period or duration of our earthly life. So when I was born May 5th, 63, uh, up until now, so far, this duration, my physical life, my life here, this is what it's talking about. We get the word biology from this. The bios, our physical life. There's another li- uh, word translated life, and that comes from the Greek word psyche, And it means soul life, emotional It talks about our emotions, our ego, our personality, our our psyche. We get the word psychology from this. It's this type of life, our personality. It's not material, but it's very real. Then there is the last one, and it is called Zoe. Zoe life. And Zoe life is spiritual life. It's divine life. You'll read about it called eternal life. It is the very life from God, the life of Christ Himself that actually comes and is infused or given to us, where Jesus, by His Spirit, unites with our spirit when we trust in Christ and He infuses us with life, Zoe life the very life of God Himself. So now when we believe in Jesus, that He is the Christ, the Son of God, He gives us life. Zoe, life is the word that is used here that you might believe and have life, Zoe, in His name. Zoe connects. It connects. it, it, It is given to us. We are regenerated with it. We now have a new nature And this new life, the Spirit of God within us begins to transform us using the Word of God and all kinds of things, changing us, transforming us, growing us in Christ's likeness Now, this is very important. We're going to hit on this as we come. So here's a big misunderstanding. When people would say that Jesus has come to give us life abundantly, sometimes we can think that He's talking about Kind of like the Canadian dream, you know. We're going to have lots of money, be comfortable. He's come to give us life and fun. That's not the word he talks about. Jesus said, I've come to give you Zoe. And to give Zoe abundantly. That is to share the very divine life of Christ himself within us. And in this union... We now have the life of Christ. So it's eternal life. It's not even just kind of that when we say, well, you know, you believe in Jesus and you'll you'll live forever as though the same life just nonstop and never ends. No, eternal life is the type of life, the quality of life. It comes from eternity, from God. It's eternal. It's not derived on a human level whatsoever. Does that make sense? So these two key words we must understand as we go into this gospel, the word believe and life. Now, the entire gospel, then, as he says, I've written these things that you might believe, that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and by believing you have life in his name, then the rest of the entire gospel is is written so that it might uh, help answer that question. And right out of the gate, in our first few verses... Uh, John reveals his thesis about Jesus. And he then is going to fortify this thesis as he records all these things about the character and the teachings and the stories and the names and the miracles and the death and resurrection of Christ. John will give us ample reason to believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. And as a result, that we have life. Here is our text for today. John chapter 1, verses 1 to 3. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him and without him not anything made was not anything made that has been made. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God And the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. And he's the one who made everything. There's four revelations that John wants to give to us right out of the gate. His thesis, if you will. These revelations of who Jesus is to us. To help us to understand, and believe. And the first one is this. Jesus is God's voice and unifying principle. <laughs> Just hang on here with me. He, he uses the word, in the beginning was the word. He uses the word word, the, the Greek word for this is logos. It was a common word in actually his day. This wasn't, didn't derive from the Bible actually. Uh, The word logos uh, was a translation from a Hebrew word. In the Hebrew mind, it meant the voice of God. Through which God acted and all else responded. The communication of God. In the Greek mind, it was a philosophic idea. Or Greek philosophers would call logos the fundamental principle behind uh, the way the universe functioned. It, it was, I it, it meant impersonal wisdom, rational principle, or divine reason, a kind of principle of rationality, and he writes, says, lying deep within the whole cosmos, within all human beings. The unifying principle of the universe, even some New Agers or Eastern religions will teach it, you know, you get in touch with this principle. And your life will find its true meaning. Well, that's what it meant. So people who are on a quest, who are seeking God and are trying to get engaged with some, some, some cosmic life principle. Let's not be too quick to, to, to judge them. They're on a search and when John, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, says that in the beginning was the Word, the Logos, and we're going to find out later in, in the next, uh, you know, uh, sermons. And so, well, I'll just let the cat out of the bag. Now, the Logos is referring to Jesus. It's a word that John uses for Jesus. So listen, here's the beauty. He's saying that in the beginning even before time began before the foundation of the world in the beginning was the word. And when he uses that John is saying to all of the philosophers and all of the people who are on that search for this mystical you know you know understanding or wisdom that didn't have somehow the whole cosmos. He's saying that which you are seeking for is a person. It's not an impersonal kind of force or nebulous idea or wisdom. That which you are seeking is a person. His name is Jesus, the word of God. And I think that's a powerful, powerful statement. So what he is saying to the Hebrew mind is Jesus is the communication of God. He is the voice of God. And to the Greek, he is saying the philosophers, those who are seeking some sort of mystical sort of idea out there, some some prince, unifying principle in the universe. That that which you seek is Jesus Himself. He is the expression and manifestation of the God. He is the deep underlying principle and sustainer of the universe. The second thing that uh, John is revealing to us is this, that Jesus eternally existed before the creation. Not only was he God's voice and unifying principle that people are seeking, But Jesus existed eternally before anything was made. He said the Word was with God. He was in the beginning with God. So Jesus, the Word, was with God way back in the beginning. He was there already existing. Theologians call this the preexistence of Jesus. Jesus. He didn't come into being in a cradle or a feeding trough in Bethlehem 2,000 years ago. No, Jesus existed co-eternally with God the Father and God the Holy Spirit in eternity past. He was present with God at that time. He was near. He was face to face and moving forward towards the Father. Literally, it means he was continually towards God. He was in deep relationship with God, deep equality and intimacy with the Father. He had eternally basked in the radiant glory and love as or with the Father. And Jesus gave witness to this in his prayer. We're going to find this as we go in our series uh, later on in John 17, verse 5 and 24. He said, and now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you when? Before the world existed. Jesus shared the magnificent glory with the Father. And then he said, you loved me before the foundation of the world, before anything was. You see, Jesus existed eternally before the creation. Now, John goes to the third thing he wants to reveal to us today, and it's even deeper than this and even more profound. It's astounding, frankly. Jesus is co equal with God the Father, He's God's voice and unifying principle in the universe. He, is etern- he existed eternally before anything was created. And now Jesus is, is to revealed to us as being co-equal with God the Father. We find it in the phrase in our passage, and the Word was God. Not a God, not a divine being, not an angel. Jesus was God. And John is reacquainting us with the teaching that we know as the Christian doctrine of the Trinity, where there is the one true God has revealed himself through the scriptures to be a tri-unity. You'll hear me say, you know, we in our discipleship we live in responsive relationship with the triune God, the tri-unity of God, speaking of the Trinity. And, uh, you know, theologians uh, have battled, battled, you know, in history and made creeds about this. In its simplest form, I would say this, that God exists eternally in one essence with three distinct persons. God is one in essence, three in person. You can distinguish between distinct persons within the one shared essence. All of the persons of this triunity are equal in essence in the Godhead. They are all God. God the Father is God. God the Son is God. God the Spirit is God. Coequal, coexistent, one in eternal essence, three in distinct person. And this is all being unpacked in this one little few verses. The Word, Jesus, was God. And the last thing we learn in our passage today is that Jesus was God's agent in creation. Jesus was God's agent in creation. We read this in verse 2, All things were made through him, And without him was not anything made that was made. John reveals Jesus the word to be the creator of all things in the beginning. And through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing came into existence. Now, how can this be? I I thought God the Father was the creator. Well, I'm going to unpack something very quickly for you. Back in Genesis chapter 1, the Bible reveals the first glimpses of the Trinity. We, we see this, principally this, we see this truth coming out. God spoke words and things happened. The Holy Spirit is identified as hovering over the waters and the imagery of a mother hen brooding over her young, caring and nurturing and superintendent and tending it. And then here, just listen to this. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 and 27. Then God said, Let us make man in our image and after our likeness. And let them have dominion. And he goes on to explain what that means. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Now, I want you to notice in our text today, notice the pronouns that God uses when speaking of himself. Let us make man in our image. After our likeness. The pronouns used when God is making the choice to create humanity is in the first person plural. Who is us and who is our? <laughs> Here we see the trinity, the triunity of God at work. The triune God, one essence in three distinct persons created. And here's a helpful way to see this triunity in creation. We see God the Father as the originating cause. God the Son as the instrumental cause. And the Holy Spirit, God the Spirit, as the dynamic cause. The Father, the architect and designer. Jesus, the instrument and achiever. The Spirit as the dynamic and applyer. Of creation. All three working in perfect harmony and unity. So when the scripture says that Jesus created, we see he was the instrumental cause. By the way, we see this in very a lot of other things in the faith. We see them working together under sort of helping this explain uh, how he works in the whole salvation. We see God as the originating cause and designer and architect of salvation. Jesus is the instrumental cause securing uh, salvation. We see the Holy Spirit as the dynamic cause who comes into our lives and creates this new nature and applies salvation to us. We see the same thing in our spiritual growth and sanctification. God originating cause, Jesus the instrumental cause, and and the Spirit the dynamic cause of our growth and of our sanctification. We see that in kingdom works. I mean, on and on. This is a beautiful way to understand the one essence working through the, the three distinct persons of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Spirit. So in our text today, John is revealing that Jesus, the Word, who is God, is the instrumental cause of the Father's, the Father's agent in bringing all things into, into existence. And as God, he is the creator and the sustainer of all things from the macrocosm of the universe. I was reading about this, that Einstein said that we really have only seen in our most powerful microscopes, he said that we only see about a billionth of the universe. And, uh, and I was reading, uh, um, I believe it was R. Kent Hughes, who was saying that in the research, like there is something like 10 octillion stars. What does that mean? Well, uh, a, a thousand millions is a billion, a thousand billions is a trillion, a thousand trillions is a quadrillion, a thousand quadrillions is a quintillion, all the way to get to eight. What he's saying is this, that you add 10 with 28 zeros behind it, and that maybe is how many stars, who knows, maybe even more. So we see the creator the word, the instrumental cause, Jesus creating from the macro of the universe to the microcosm of protons and electrons within a very atom. And what holds things together within an atom? Oh, this is borne out in the Holy Spirit through other writers. The Apostle Paul said in Colossians chapter 1, verse 16 and 17, speaking about Jesus, he says, For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created by him or through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together, all things in this universe. Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews, whomever that was, wrote this, Long ago and many times and in many ways, God spoke to us through our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, He has spoken to us by His Son, whom He appointed heir of all things, here we go, through whom He also created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature and he upholds the universe by the power of his word jesus the word the unifying sustaining power behind all things in the universe god initiated and spoke through his agent jesus the word who is the instrumental cause and things happened the Spirit applying and nurturing what is being created. Does this make sense to you? So let me summarize. John the Apostle, under the inspiring and superintending work of the Holy Spirit, wrote this gospel to give different perspectives, different stories, different uh, um, you know, different ideas about Christ. He wrote it so that people, including you and me, may believe that he is the Christ, the promised Messiah of the Older Testament, the Anointed One, He was sent from God to redeem his people, deliver his people and his creation, restoring both fully as he God originally intended and uh, within his personal presence and under his loving rule called the kingdom of God. The result of which, as we believe that he is the Christ, the Son of God, that you and I might receive. life, Zoe. In believing, we obtain and increasingly experience the very life of Christ within us, divine, spiritual, eternal life within our spirit. So John sets out his thesis, and he tells us these four characteristics that Jesus is God's voice and he is the unifying principle behind all things in the universe. That Jesus eternally existed before the creation, that he was co-equal with God the Father, and that Jesus was God's agent in creation and continues to sustain all things. Now he's going to take us on a journey after we have another uh, message or two in this prologue, he's going to take us on a journey, revealing through stories and teachings and through miraculous signs and the names attributed to Christ through his death and his resurrection, that Jesus is, in fact, the Christ, the Son of God, who's worthy of our deepest trust and in whom you and I will receive the very life of Christ within us that will never leave us, and we will have that forever. Even if our bios life dies, our zoe life, connected with our suche life, lives forever in the presence of God until that day when Christ returns. And when he does, he will miraculously create or recreate brand new bodies to once again, or in which our Zoe life in Christ and our Suke life, our personality, will inhabit once again, that will live forever in the new heaven and the new earth to love and worship, to play and work, to rule and discover for all of eternity. I encourage you wherever you are in your spiritual journey this morning as you've been listening, that you would lean in, that you would begin to read this incredible gospel found in the Newer Testament called the Gospel of John. And I encourage you to read. We are going to take our time in going through it because It will strengthen faith and give us life. It's my prayer that you would open your heart to discover what John is saying about Jesus. And more so, that in choosing to believe, you would receive his full life and grow in that life. I can't think of anything else that would be better to give to people. In times like this, the very life of Christ. Let's pray together. To our God, Father, Son, and Spirit, we worship you. And Jesus, we are so thankful that you decided, as we are going to hear about, to surrender to the plan of God the Father, to come to this earth and take on human flesh. I thank you for all that you did, all who you were, all that you said. I thank you for your death on our behalf and your resurrection to prove all that you said. And I thank you that you ascended back to the Father and now are amidst of the throne and you released to us your Holy Spirit to teach us, to guide us, to communicate with us, to transform us. And I pray in your name, Lord Jesus, that you would open up this word to all of us. That if there are those in our church that have yet to believe, for whatever reason they're holding off, I pray that they would see that you are in fact the Christ and that they would place their faith in you and that you would give them your divine life. And for those of us who have done that, and we have trusted you, and we've opened our hearts to you and received your very presence, I pray that our journey through this book would actually increase our understanding of you, that you would become bigger and more magnificent to us, and that your very life in us would grow deeper and stronger, and you would transform us fully into your likeness in character, in thinking, and in affections, so that we might live in a way that gives testimony to you. Thank you, Lord. Speak to us in these days through your word, by your spirit, and may we be responsive to you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.